Good evening and welcome everyone. It's Scott Hamilton from Rockfile Radio here with, uh, I don't even, I'm not going to give you an introduction because everybody knows who you are. Billy Sheehan, how are you? I'm good. Thanks very much for having me on your show. Oh, I, I, like I said earlier, it's been a busy couple of weeks for me interview-wise, but I'm truly humbled. I've been a fan since the 80s. Thank you for all the music. Oh, thank you for listening. Uh, without you, I'm nothing. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, everything I have in, under the sun, moon, and stars that I own, my house, my car, everything, it all comes from somebody buying a CD, a T-shirt, or a ticket, and I never forget that. Awesome. Well, you have quite the career to look back on, but let's talk about winery dogs to start off with. You guys put this together as kind of a, what was the idea behind you guys just kind of jamming or did you want to do a project together? Yeah, just not much of an idea at all, just to have a band and not so much a project, but a, an actual band. Right, because you've played a lot of projects where you've been a session man or a tour guy or... Yeah, just a, a thing that we knew was a one-off or just going to do one thing and... If it kind of worked, we'd stick with it. If it didn't, we wouldn't. Where this here we wanted to do, because as a fan, myself personally, I, you know, when I get into a band, it's kind of an emotional investment. And I get, you know, I get into it. I get into the people that are into it. I get into the songs. I get into the album cover. I get into all kinds of stuff from, from the early days and up, to, up till now. I'm a huge fan. My iTunes is 200 and almost 300,000 songs. That's even more than me. <laughs> 1.5 terabytes of music. Mm-hmm. All finely tuned, too because I, I really am a fan of a, a lot of different stuff. So, because, you know, as a fan, when I invest in something emotionally, um, I don't want it to just be some little one-off thing. So I think all of us thought that, you know, to, to really give this project uh, or this idea or this, this music that we do a foundation, we should, we should commit to it, you know, and not just say, well, if it's successful, we'll stick to it. If it ain't, we'll run away and find something else, you know, to, to go through hell or high water. So we've had... Um, uh, launching a new band is not easy. No. <laughs> not easy at all. So, uh, but we've stuck it out and stuck to it and weathered the storm and, and uh, gotten through a lot of uh, difficulties. And I think the reason is because we, we got a record that we love and that other people have responded to very positively, which I'm very, very thankful for. All of us are. And so we're, we're looking at the long run, not, the, not the, a little short little hop, but a, a long, long journey here. Is that why it's not a, uh, a Sheehan, Portnoy, Katzen, it's a name? Uh, why, why winery dogs? I don't know. It's hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. It's hard to find a band name. True. Actually, uh, it's so difficult to find the na- a name. That's why you say oddball names now. You don't really don't know what the, it means. You, Me, at Six is one that's got me really confused these days. And they're huge, but You, Me, at Six. Wow, that's pretty good. And I don't know what a Lacuna Coil is either, but it's, I, I love that name. It's very cool. Um, so uh, a friend of Richie's suggested the winery dogs. And so instantly, of course, the first thing you do when you get a band name is you got to Google it to see if anyone else has it. And I did, and nobody did, so I thought. But there are winery dogs. Are there? There is such a thing. And uh, they're the dogs they keep on the wine estates to keep, you know, make sure nobody burglars come in or anybody fools around with the grapes or the machinery or whatever. And they refer to them as winery dogs. There's a couple of websites about them, as a matter of fact. You know, pictures. I'm definitely going to have to Google that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, uh, well, fortunately, our site gets more hits than them now. Thank, yes, thank very much. So people have established that. So we stopped them, but we liked it because it kind of, um, it is a little bit, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily paint us into a corner. A lot of people have given us their impression of what the name feels to them. And it's funny how a lot of times a band name, the band usually brings meaning to the name as opposed to the other way around. The other way around. So, um, uh, a lot of people said, yeah, it's like, you know, sophisticated winery, but you're dogs, you know, so you're like kind of the, 
the, the, the unsophisticates and the sophisticated, you know, so that, that made sense. Somebody else had a completely different explanation. And I said, so, 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 well, take the ball and run with it. Well, however you think it to be, it is such. So, so you had a birthday recently, yeah. uh, big celebration where you were on the road? No, I was home and did almost nothing. We just hung out and had a dinner Isn't together. Isn't that what we like to do at birthdays as we get older? Yeah, well, it used to be I would have a, a, you know, be out and about at a club and a lot of people would show up and there'd be a lot of hooting and hollering. But, you know, I, I, uh, I enjoy uh, celebrating all kinds of holidays. <laughs> but uh, but we, we, we just brought it in quietly, had a wonderful time, you know. That's cool. Awesome. Now, we'll get back to winery dogs, but over the last few years, uh, you reformed with some old bands. Like, you got back together with the Talus guys. Was that like, yeah. a, was that like a high school reunion? Actually, we did it the first time in 97, because mm -hmm. the radio station in Buffalo, New York is 97 Rock. So they wanted to do a big thing for 1997, and I hadn't even spoken to the guys in Talus in 15 years. And uh, so we got together. We had a riot, done stories of the old days, right. did a show. The place was completely sold out. They were scalping tickets to get in. It was just great. We did it again the following year, and then we left it alone. Then again, I think it was last summer or the summer before, mm -hmm. we did a show outside Niagara Falls, New York, which is next to Buffalo, for the Hard Rock Cafe. There was 14,000 people. It was out of control. So we'll, um, we'll probably do a couple more as the years go by, as everyone's health holds out. You know, that's good. I'm, I'm in good shape. The other guys are, uh, are pretty good shape. And now that's a fairly local, regional thing. Is it nice to have that, I mean, all these yeah. years later? Yeah, because it's basically a reunion for everybody to get together and see everybody we used to hang out with right. back in the 70s and early 80s. And that's kind of the, I like that aspect of it too. I would almost rather, you know, just play a couple songs and get off the stage and go in the crowd and hang out. Hang out. So many people I haven't seen, you know, but <laughs> we got to do our duty and play the show too. So. Well, and you also reformed here in the 21st century with Niacin. That had to be fun. Yeah, we, um, Niacin just got put on hold because Dennis uh, worked with Santana uh, as uh, uh, drumming for Santana. And his schedule was just crazy, so we could barely ever get him. So he quit, and then he was free, so he said, hey, let's do it. And uh, I'm, glad, uh, he, I'm glad he did. Uh, uh, he had a wonderful run with Santana, but now he's free to do a lot of other things that he was more famous for, rather than forming into the mold of a, 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 program, a group that's already there. Dennis is such a superstar drummer to me, the greatest musician I know. I'm glad now that he's free to just be Dennis Chambers. And do that's what great. he does and do that amazing thing that he does. Yeah, very cool. Now, I read an interview uh, with you the other day. One of the things that you love about the winery dogs, even though these songs are tightly written, almost pop rock songs, if you will, they're just good, good, well-written songs, you have left room to improvise. And that is what yeah. really, is that what gets you up on stage every night, that little bit of freedom there? Yeah, absolutely, that helps a lot. However, I've been, I've been in some situations where I had to play exactly the song, exactly the same way, exactly every time. And that's a different discipline than what I do. Totally. So doing that is good because I don't do that. And it's a challenge <laughs> to me. So I, like, I enjoy doing things that are a challenge to me. Um, but then uh, when you're improvising, the challenge is don't think, don't plan, just go and fly and hope that you get off the ground and get into the clouds. And it's precarious. Uh, it isn't a guarantee that you will always land on the right note. But I like that. that is another kind of a challenge, and I like that challenge a lot. And Mike and I got a ESP thing going on with Richie too. We are all well, very well connected on stage. Where one guy turns left, and the other guy happens to turn left at the exact same time. You know, so we exactly do the exact same thing, and it's a, it's an odd phenomenon. I like a, like schools of fish. Exactly. <laughs> You're just schools no or, or or herds of winery dogs. Who knows? <laughs> but we, uh, I'd like to have some scientists uh, uh, maybe look into that someday as to what the cause of that might be. But it's pretty spooky sometimes. 
Uh, we, we, I mean, literally, Mike and I look at each other quickly, like, oh, I have no idea you were going to do that. And he goes, I had no idea you were going to do that. So, it's, so that's a lot of fun throwing that stuff in there. But the challenge of improvising is, uh, is a big draw to me. And most every band I'm in, I, uh, there are varying degrees of that. Mr. Big is a little tighter in arrangements and stuff. Um, but when I play with them, there is still room to move. Not as much as with the Winery right. Ducks. Winery Ducks is a more jam, way more jammy band right. than, than, than anything I play in, other than maybe Niacin, but Niacin is more of a fusion of things. So right. It's not quite, a, this is rock, and I've always been a rock guy. And I really like the last Mr. Big record. You're going to do any more? Yeah, as a matter of fact, we're working on it. When I get home in June, we'll, we'll, I'll be doing bass parts for a new Mr. Big record. We'll be out. It's going to be a short tour, though. I'm not even sure if there's USA dates really? because a lot of the guys are just, you know, they're busy with their lives now and they don't have enough time to tour. That's so another, another reason I'm so happy about the Winery Dogs is because in the Winery Dogs is Mike Portnoy, who will tour nonstop <laughs> every minute of the day for from here to eternity, which I like because I can do that. I'm, I'm, once I'm out and playing, that's my life and my hands are in shape and I'm doing my music. And Well, I was looking at all those tour dates on the back of the shirt. Good God. Yeah, that's good. I could do, I could do that. I could do ten times that, no nice. problem, and and everywhere. Uh, especially we've got a great bus and a great crew and great sound guy and uh, a nice bunch of people to travel with. And Mike Ritchie and I, we enjoy hanging with each other. That's a very important yeah. point. I put bands together where I didn't investigate the hang first, and then later on found out that there was not a good hang. It's always a, a, a terrible thing, but this in this case, it's been wonderful. Band chemistry is a weird thing. Yeah, there you can put ten great musicians in a room, and none of them may get along. Yeah, it's true. That's why, um, uh, on paper, some things look really good. Uh, let's take these, the greatest of this, and this these, the greatest group. of that. Yeah. yeah, let's put them together, and they almost never work because, because it was put together on paper, and that's and why not organically. I, yeah, and that's why the um, uh, I was going to work with Mike. Uh, why I didn't think of Richie Costa, and I have no idea why I blanked out on it, but Eddie Trunk mentioned him. I said, of course, Richie can sing and play his ass off, and it's great. So we got together, and we really did almost no planning at all, no manager, no producer, nobody uh, in there telling us their vision. Yeah, that had to feel good. It was great. So we even did the record with no producer. We just did, this is what we do, and this is how we do it. This is what we wrote. No one came in and said, you know, this chorus here, it's got to be twice as long at the end. And uh, We've all done enough records to know how to put a song together, how to put a record together. We did hire a guy outside of us to mix it, because that isn't our forte. A guy named Jay Rustin, who's done a lot of great records recently, did a fantastic job on it. What a sound. The album has a real sound. Yeah, it's really great. He did a wonderful job. And even he admits to me, he didn't do a lot. You know, he sweetened up things as necessary. But that's a sign of a good mixer. When it's sounding right, don't change it. You know, don't think you have to change. But he, we'd use him again in a minute. He's just wonderful. So, uh, again, we put the band together in that kind of organic fashion that, that really didn't... Um, require uh, business acumen or uh, marketing expertise or any of those nasty words. So when you got started playing the bass, did you set out to redefine how the bass was considered as an instrument, how kids play when they pick it up? No, I just wanted to meet girls. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much true. I mean, every musician from my generation saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, saw the girls screaming and went, I want jet. I, I want to do jet. that. That's what I want to do. <laughs> And, uh, and that is pretty much how we, a lot of us started. Uh, but then later on, and I was always a music lover, and my mom was a big music lover in our home. We had music often. She was a Sinatra fan. And, and I got into classical music, and I got deep, deep, deep into music that had nothing to do with attracting girls at all. Right. You know, so a lot of the <laughs> earliest progressive, Genesis, King Crimson, stuff oh, like yeah. that, PFM, bands like that, uh, 
huge Hendrix fan. Hendrix was my first concert I ever went to. I uh, got heavily into a lot of, a real lot of classical music. Uh, not just a typical uh, Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, but you know, Ravel, Mussorgsky, uh, Vorjak. The more interesting, more powerful things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't normally gravitate towards as, as a rock player. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was a really a cool thing. We're good. Um, and uh, so that was, uh, as I matured, I found out, well, there still were girls, so, so, so that was <laughs> That's good. That's a good thing. We didn't lose that part of it. And so, but it's a, it, as goofy as it sounds, that being a motivation isn't necessarily a bad thing. Anything that gets you there as a motivation, as long as you arrive there, it was probably a good motivation. So I, I have my a great uh, honor, respect for the women of the world for inspiring me to get there, to get there, <laughs> and uh, and launch it. And then I, once it was launched, I was able to get on my own legs and have a true musical inspiration. And uh, that was uh, pretty much how it started. And then, to, as far as bass goes, I just wanted to play. Did you have anybody go, bass is not supposed to play lead here. You're not supposed to stand out here. Did that happen in the beginning? Uh, no, because uh, in my because day... jaws were on the floor? <laughs> no, no, I was, uh, you know, I was still figuring it out. I, you know, hadn't, I had no natural talent at all. I just have to work. I work really hard. And there's no... I never picked it up and automatically had it. I just had work, work, work. And I do now. I'll be on a bus for two hours after this, you know, warming up my bass and learning some new stuff. But when I first heard McCartney, his ba- he's all over the place on bass. Jamie Jamerson from the Motown stuff, all over the place on bass. Tim Bogart, all over the place. Jack Cassidy, all over the place. Jack Bruce, all over the place. Entwistle, all these guys. Yeah. They, were, they were lead bass players, but no one noticed because they were playing ensemble. Yeah. They were playing with the drums, with the guitar, with the vocals, within the arrangement of the song. Later on, uh, late 70s into the 80s, it became this thing where the guitar player would say, you hold an E note while I solo. Which, which uh, to me, no offense to guitar players, indicates an inadequacy on the guitar player's part because you should be able to solo while the bass player moves that root note around. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't throw you, but a lot of them couldn't. So there was just kind of this, you hold a note while I solo. So a lot of bass players started holding a single note or just sticking with just the root, which was unlike a lot of bass, and unlike the bass tradition that we had for decades prior to that. So then when bass players again started to move up and play a little bit more, everybody was in shock because they weren't holding the E note while the guitar player soloed. So they started to stamp this term lead bass on them. Where in fact, for me, I never looked at it as much as lead bass as just bass. Another voice, another instrument. I remember seeing a great uh, video clip of a band from the 30s. Clarinet, piano, bass, trumpet trombone, guitar player. Everybody solos, except for the guitar player. Guitar player did not solo because yeah, in my jazz band I was trumpet. Yeah, we soloed, but the yeah, guitar could, player didn't. You couldn't hear the guitar, so he didn't solo. You could hear the bass and the drum solo. So it's a it's a funny thing, and um, uh, people get into the uh, argument of it, if you will. But I just uh, sometimes you need to play a single note. Sometimes you need to play more than one, you know. And uh, knowing that there is no definition that you must conform to really truly makes it art. And some bass players, like uh, ACDC bass player, love that guy. Plays one note and the whole, and the whole band, without him the whole band would fall to dust. You know? <laughs> true, very true. It's just awesome too. So I, I've never been prejudiced that you have to play any one kind of way or another. Uh, all music is good music and uh, it is the greatest art form no matter how you approach it. I totally agree. And it's, it's what you, actually it's what you don't play sometimes, what makes exactly. it mu- musical. And it's odd as a weird psychology happens with that when I'm playing, and I can't hear myself too well, and I'm not sure if 
I, I tend to play more. And I tend to overplay. When I can hear everything perfectly and I hear the vocals and the drums, I, I pull way back. Because you're just part of it. Yeah. And so it's like, I, now, I know, I, now I know somebody can hear it, so I don't need to. You know, it's, kind of, it's, an, it's an odd, almost a reverse psychology thing, the way it works. Now, you've been in instrumental bands and projects. Everybody's singing in this one. How does that feel? Great. Uh, my most successful and famous and enjoyable bands in, involve singing. Talos back in Buffalo, we sang Three Dog Night, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Grand Funk Railroad, you name it, with harmonies, we did it, all the Beatles, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Mr. Big, heavy singing, harmony band. We did last tour, we did a remake of uh, uh, Three Dog Night, It's For You, with these stacked vocal harmonies. <laughs> and we also did a Carry On by Cros Crosby, Stills, and Nash, a heavy singing song. Nice harmony there. And so in this, uh, three guys, three voices, it really, it really works out well. Uh, I love I love to please the audience, not pander to the audience, but to please the audience. When the audience is pleased, I'm happy. A lot of guys have the, well, I do my art, and if the audience like it, fine, and if they don't, the heck with them. I'm not like that at all. I, I, I really care about them. And singing really brings a lot of people in. And I think sometimes, I don't even do it consciously, but I really would like to enlighten and up, uh, uplift people, not only emotionally, but also musically. So once you draw someone into a room with a band playing, with singing, in between that singing, there's all kinds of things going on that they're gonna pay attention to more now than they would have if there wasn't singing. So I think singing does draw people in and opens them up, and I think, therefore, you, I know as a music fan, I became more and more educated with the music I listened to and got into sometimes more complex music, sometimes more emotional music, but each time I was drawn in by something and then captured by something else. Uh, Joni Mitchell's emotion, unbelievable. But then you hear some of the arrangements and, and music and melody lines she does, they're, they're incredible. And then you look into who she was into that got that. Same thing with uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer. Oh, yeah. I started doing Mazorsky. So of course I had to go find Mazorsky. Blew my mind <laughs> to find the original um, uh, versions of uh, pictures at an exhibition. Right. And then to hear Tomita do it on synthesis <laughs> in the 70s. Was in, so uh, just by opening the door, by something drawing me in, it expanded my fanness uh, uh, tremendously. So therefore, I think singing does the same thing. It does bring people in. And, and we played in Brazil. I think our record had been out for two days with the Winery Dogs. The whole place sang every word of every song so loud you couldn't even hear the band. Two days. Yeah. And they, it was an amazing phenomenon. You're getting chills just thinking about it. Chills. I'm getting chills. <laughs> well, is that what Elevate is about, the song? I know you guys open with that, or sometimes open with that. And yeah, it's, a, it's an opening. It's kind of showbiz 101, open with a song that opens the record. And we learned that from, from the master himself, David Lee Roth. That's uh, always a good thing to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just kind of uh, the idea that let's, 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 you know, let's, let's move it up a notch, you know? Let's, instead of digging down into the dirt, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's rise up a little bit. You know, the world as it is now, you know, I, I don't see things really always moving up. In some sectors, maybe, but not always. And uh, to be a little bit uplifting, because we've got a couple songs that have some hopeful mm -hmm. lyrics, you know. We are one, not hopeless, elevate, you know, and I think it's kind of a cool thing. And I'm No Angel becomes a big sing-along, I understand. Yeah, yeah, we just did a video for it, and uh, that song is a big crowd favorite. We go into it, this crowd, you hear a big surge in the crowd, we, the chords start. And, and I instantly loved that song the moment I heard it. When, 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 so the, just a rough demo of kind of how it went. And we put it together, went home, and I played it for all my friends all the time. It was really cool. 
I just watched those uh, acoustic uh, little bits you did on the other coast, and how was that, playing in a TV studio, uh, the scale down? I don't think I've ever seen Portnoy sit down so long. <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, but it's uh, challenging because it's all quiet in there. I play the thing and it's not. And it never sounds good, but you guys sounded great. Really? I haven't heard it. I was afraid to listen, so now, now I'll listen. <laughs> TV mixes are usually horrible, but that one was amazing. But that's probably it's the musicians. That's what's happening. Welcome to South Florida. I know, I know. That's why I love LA. We have almost no bugs. And no humidity. Exactly so. But it's very nice here. But uh, what were we talking about before we interrupted ourselves? I oh, we were talking about winery dogs, Elevate. Yeah, I was yeah. going to get to... After all these projects, after all these albums, all these tours, why do you still get up there? Is it, is it really the fans that drive it? I love music more than I ever have. I play bass now more than I ever did. I'm as enthused or even more enthused about it than when I was 16. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know why. But I, I'm at a point in my age now where this is, this is all I got, and it's plenty. It's I plenty. I love this. I love that I can play. For me, what an opportunity to get up on stage... With, uh, I'll move over here maybe if less mosquitoes. Well, yeah. I think over in that little drawer. Um, uh, and play, and there's people there. That's a, what a great honor. That's incredible. And uh, every day I sit down with my bass and I, found, I find some new thing that I never knew before. And I've been playing for 40 years. Unbelievable. I sit down and go, hey, wait, what if I, you know, and I, oh yeah, that's a whole other, you know. And, I, and so I, even the last about two or three years, I come out like, there's maybe three or four completely different ways of playing the bass. When I first started them, it wasn't working, but in theory, it was going to. And I stuck with it and hit it and hit it and hit it. Now I actually have about uh, three or four completely new approaches for me. I know someone else probably has done it. It's a big world out there. Um, uh, but three completely new approaches for me. So it's kind of interesting that uh, after so many years, there's still so much more to learn. I mean, I haven't even begun yet. And there he is right on you. I got him. Thank you. Nice. Okay, uh, all of these things, what is your biggest professional accomplishment? Was it, was it an album that went gold? Was it a giant stadium show? Biggest professional, most impressive? Well, number one single with Mr. Big was pretty amazing. Uh, once you get into the top 40, you're in shark-infested waters. Totally. Top 20, the sharks get bigger and faster. Top 10, they develop Beyond. Like yeah. H.R. Giger, uh, alien mom. And they have laser beams on their heads. Exactly. <laughs> And so we actually were in line to be number one, and there was a uh, Right Said Fred and Prince and Michael Jackson, all had singles ready to go into the top, into the number one. So sure enough, uh, we got the call that we, we popped into number one. So we beat Prince and Michael Jackson out of a number one spot. So I was having my friends start my car for me, in case it would blow up. You see. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> But uh, so that was pretty amazing. And then we were on, uh, because of that, that opened up doors to us that uh, had never been through. We were on The Tonight Show, and uh, the second time on, Jay had us on the couch, and I sat in chair number one on The Tonight Show, which was pretty awesome. Uh, and my mom finally realized that I. You'd made, I made it. it. You know, she saw that, you know, it was pretty funny. And we played, uh, it was number one in 14 countries. We played all over the world with that. And even now, I go anywhere in the world. Remember a band called Mr. Big? No, I'm the one who, oh, oh my God, you can't believe it. You know, <laughs> they recognize it, and it's a, it really it was a great thing. So that was a, a huge ac accomplishment and that I'm, I'm very uh, pleased of. But it happened with a team of about 100 people behind that actually making it happen. So it's not, not one band alone that made that work, but uh, we're very thankful. 
Is there something, uh, some piece of art, a piece of music, a movie, a book, a TV show you've watched lately, something that got under you that you really got into? Personally. Yeah, I liked Not Cool by, uh, I think his last name is Gutfeld. He's, a, he's on, a, on the cable news guy. He had, a, he had a, a book called Not Cool, how the pursuit of cool and coolness, which is really nothing, True. has ruined everything. <laughs> because there's really no, you're, now you're there really is no cool. Exactly. So you're, you're doing something with no foundation just because it happens to be cool. And that real accomplishment and real work, especially the people that listen to your show, are probably more music-oriented. understand that it takes some work that's doing it. You don't just win the lottery. Right. You know? And uh, it was an interesting, very interesting book, and a very funny book, too. But uh, I read a lot. I, I, uh, I'm reading a Tesla biography right now. The got to be interesting, yeah. The man, not the band. And, uh, <laughs> and I've read uh, about eight books on North Korea recently. Amazing that what, what's going on there in this day and age. That, this, that, that we the, don't hear anything about over here. Know, the world allows another Holocaust. It's a horrifying thing. Terrible. But, you know, and I read uplifting books, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, hope it's not all current events. No, no, no. no all kinds of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I do read a lot. And uh, uh, I'm not so much a TV guy. I know Mike Portnoy knows every... TV show and every character on it and every plot twist of all the now the new golden age of television that we have now. Not my thing necessarily. I wait for streaming Netflix or Blu-ray or something. Yeah, I, I don't have time to watch. It. Yeah, but I. Uh, that my, way I know it's good when I sit down to Breaking Bad. Yeah, I know already, it's been killer. You know, already passed the test. Right. Of a commercial <laughs> success. Yeah, and I. Um, I uh, my idea of a Friday or Saturday night, maybe a couple friends over, maybe just even by myself. Pop a bottle of red, sit down with my iTunes, and start going through the folders and finding the most amazing stuff. And uh, that's a riot. Something you haven't listened to in a while. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I've got a huge collection of uh, lounge music from the 60s, <laughs> which is hilarious. And I also, one of the specializations of my collection is I have some of the worst music ever created really? by humans you, you could possibly imagine. And why are you saving this? Well, it's just interesting to hear. I've got some of the greatest music, and I want to see the dichotomy. <laughs> I want to see the, 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 you know. You have to know how low you can go yeah, to see how high. Minus yeah. here. <laughs> exactly. So I've got some uh, Johnny Bowtie Barstow oh. singing Christmas carols. Just horrifying. And it's just amazing to me. Somebody who's in a control room going, okay, that's a take. After the, after Good that, job. Yeah, after we'll keep that one. That's pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> so, so I, uh, uh, Mrs. Miller, another one, is a Chinese singer named... Uh, Oh, Wing, doing the, a tribute to the Carpenters that will blow your mind. Tell and me it's, it's on YouTube. No. It probably is. Yeah, YouTube has everything, pretty much. But uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, uh, that's an entertaining evening for me. I, I can sit around with, a, with my iTunes. And I have the drive with me, too. It's a terabyte and a half. And uh, so I can open it. Once in, a, once in a while, we've got a long bus ride. I'm the DJ. Much we'll see if you guys know this one. Yeah. <laughs> And it brings about much pleasure and agony <laughs> to the listeners. That's got to be an interesting bus ride with you as the sure, DJ. Wake sure. up, boys. <laughs> so what's next for the winery dogs? I see the tour dates continue into the fall. Uh, is there planning sessions to get in a studio next year for a new album or something? We don't plan, but we know we will. I'm sure it's there. As a matter of fact, I'm ready to go. We could probably go in tomorrow and start having stuff in, by the end of the day. And it's, it's really that fast. You're riding on the road or it just comes naturally? No, once in a while we'll do a lick and grab the iPhone and make sure and record it. 
you know, uh, I do that with my bass too as I'm sitting around with my bass. I have my eye torn out. I, I prop it up, put it on video, click it, and explain to the phone, okay, what now, you're doing. Here's the thing. And then the right finger normally goes to that. Well, now I'll try it and, you know, explain. I forget about 300. Musicians, write this down. You want to do this at home. Great. Otherwise, I'll forget it. But uh, we're pretty prolific writers when we get into a room together. We can, we can whip stuff up pretty, pretty easily. And Richie's such a natural singer. All he has to do is sing blah, blah lyrics. And we got a song there, you know, just, just flesh out the lyrics later. So that's, that's very nice. And I think it's a result of just doing it for so long and so many records, all of us, that it's, uh, making a record becomes a pretty natural process. Like doing a gig. Walking up, for me, pretty easy. Yeah, okay, let's go. Step up on the stage. Where's the drummer? Where's the guitar player? What key are we in? Here we go. No problem. So, uh, you know, just because I've done it for so long. And similarly, making a record and writing songs, it becomes a, it's a skill that's achieved, you know, with, with, uh, with, and we write... Generally, for me, I write a lot of songs for any single project, and then in the end, we use some of them. Usually, about ten percent, twenty percent of what I wrote, we end up using. So there's a lot of. I saw another one. Get him! So get a him! A lot of. Uh, a lot of writing goes on, so it's easy for us to put together a record. Well, I won't keep you much longer, but thank you for spending the time and long live the winery dogs. Really, thank you very much, Scott, and uh, I'm glad you're doing this on radio and uh, spreading the word. We appreciate it very much, and. Uh, if uh, anybody wants to get in touch with me, I'm Billy at BillyShan.com. It's easy to find me. Click on my, write to me on my website. I'm on Facebook. I don't answer Facebook mail as much, though, because it's harder for me. But if you just email me, I'm easy to find. There you go, kids. Right now. Thank you very much. Thanks, Scott.